0: May we bow together in prayer as we look at God's Word today. Our Father in heaven, we humble ourselves in thy presence, knowing that unless the Holy Spirit makes the Word of God clear, it will not be clear. Unless he brings conviction, there will be no conviction. Unless he draws men to Jesus, nobody will come. And so we rely implicitly upon the Holy Spirit today to do his office work of conviction and contrition and conversion. And then may every believer rejoice in thee. Have thy way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is Old Timers Day, we've already mentioned that those who are fifty years of age and over are our special honored people today. And I want to bring a message concerning the old paths. It's entitled, The Old Paths. It's based on a verse in in Jeremiah 6, 16, a very easy verse to remember, Jeremiah 6, 16, and I'd like to, for us to look at the text for a moment and then uh, I want to bring some thoughts that God, I believe, has impressed my heart with. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk in it, and ye shall find rest for your souls." But they said, We will not walk in it. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was called by God to herald a message to Jerusalem and Judah. It was after the fall of the northern Assyrian uh, northern nation Israel by the Assyrian hordes in 722 B.C. and God called Jeremiah and He gave him a commission and He said, "I want you to go and Jeremiah, nobody will believe and nobody will repent and for all practical purposes, you will be unsuccessful." success what is success in a business success is when you start with very little and build and build and build and you end your life with a great empire of wealth or you built a great business sometimes even in the work of churches we say that success is when you start with just practically nothing and you build and build and After a while, you have thousands of people as part of that church. And that certainly is a precious, beautiful blessing. But it didn't work that way with Jeremiah. God said, Jeremiah, the world's going to call you a failure. You're not going to succeed. You're going to go down there and preach to Jerusalem for 40 years, and it'll end in terrible tragedy. Somehow Jeremiah knew this all along. He knew that God was going to raise up the Babylonian nation to come and bring judgment on God's people. And that was the message God gave him. Others might have been successful in a different way. Jeremiah's success was in being faithful to what God told him to do. And beloved, that's real success. When you're faithful in what God tells you to do. Whoever you are, there may be someone within the sound of my voice today who feels that your life has not been successful at all. Maybe you've had tragedy occur. Maybe children have died. Parents have died. A mate has died. Or maybe divorce has invaded your home and you felt like curling up in a knot in defeat and tragedy. Success comes when you do what God says to do when you're faithful. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life." In the sixth chapter of Jeremiah, there's an indictment brought upon the people of God, and Jeremiah gives a warning, but you've heard the answer. The people would not listen to the warning. Listen. In verse 4, "...prepare war against her. Rise, and let us go up at noon. War unto us, for the day goeth away." for the shadows of the evening are stretched out. Arise, and let us go by night, and let us destroy her palaces. Verse 7, as a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil are heard in her. Before me continually are grief and wounds. Verse 10, to whom shall I speak, and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised. They cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them, A reproach and they have no delight in it therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord I am weary with with withholding and holding in I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together for even the husband with the wife shall be taken the aged with him that is full of days their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them even unto the greatest of them every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even unto the priest every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And then Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord. A word of advice, a word of appeal, a word of invitation. He says, thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths Where is the good way? And walk in it, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not do it. Jeremiah was saying, look back at Abraham. Look back at Moses. Look back at Noah. Look back at Enoch. Look back at some of the great men of God. Samuel, David. Hezekiah, Josiah. Look at some of those outstanding men of faith. Stand in the paths and seek the old ways. What was it that made Noah successful? What was it that made Moses a man of God, God's meek man? What was it that made Abraham called the friend of God, and God said, I'll not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until I tell my friend Abraham. Why is it that Enoch walked with God 365 years and then he was not? Because God took him. He was translated. Jeremiah is saying, stand in the paths. Seek out the old ways. And find out why they were what they were and walk in them. They said, We won't do it. We won't do it. I think God might say the same thing to us today. <clears throat> and on this day, when we honor those who are 50 years of age and over, I think those who are half century people have something to teach all of us. Everybody that I had stand while ago, 50 years of age and over, was born in 1933 or before. Many of these have been through the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the Cold War, World War II, the Great Depression, the administration of Hoover to Reagan, ten administrations. Some of these that stood well ago went through World War I, the turn of the century, the recovery from the Civil War. Our oldest member who could not be here today, Ms. Eva Thomas, born in 1893. She was born during the Benjamin Harrison administration, only 15 years after the Civil War. And she went through that recovery. Some who are in this room this morning, 88 years of age born in 1895, have lived through 17 administrations since the administration of Grover Cleveland. And I think they have something they can say to us. They can teach us, just as Jeremiah was saying, stand in the old paths, look in the old ways, How did Moses do it? How did Abraham do it? How did Samuel do it? How did Enoch do it? How did Josiah do it? How did Hezekiah do it? How did David do it? How did those men do it? And to all of us, I think we can hear rise up from the pages of the Bible and from human experience these thoughts, these can teach us to hear the old book, first of all. The old book. The old book. What is the old book? One of the great nobles of our faith was dying. He said, give me the book. And somebody said, well, what book do you want? You've got a library filled with books. And the old sage said, there's only one book, the Bible. Give me the book. And he held the Bible in his hand as he went across the river of death Abraham said Abraham Lincoln said I believe the Bible is the best gift God ever gave man all good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book W. E. Gladstone said I have known 95 of the world's greatest men in my time and of these 87 were followers of the Bible the Bible is stamped with a specialty of origin. An immeasurable distance separates it from all competitors. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. And we need some Supreme Court justices today who will hear Abraham, who will hear George Washington, the father of our country, say that. Napoleon used to say, the Bible is no mere book but a living creature with a power that conquers all that oppose it. And Daniel Webster said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on to prospering and to prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. Somebody asked Billy Sunday one day, what do you think of the Bible? In a very moving and almost poetic tribute, Billy Sunday took on a word-picture journey through the Scriptures. He said, I entered through the portico of Genesis and walked down through the Old Testament art gallery with the pictures of Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Isaiah, David, and Solomon hung on the walls. I passed into the music room of the Psalms and every reed of God's great organ responded to the tuneful harp of David. I entered the chamber of Ecclesiastes, where the voice of the preacher was heard, and in the conservatory of Sharon and the lily of the valley, spices filled and perfumed my life. I entered the business office of the Proverbs. Then into the observatory room of the prophets where I saw telescopes of various sizes, some pointing to far-off events, but all concentrated upon the bright star which was to arise above the moonlit hills of Judea for our salvation. I entered the audience room of the King of Kings and passed into the correspondence room where sat Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul, Peter, and James penning their epistles. I stepped then into the throne room of Revelation and caught a vision of the king sitting on his throne in all of his glory. And I cried out, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all." The Bible. Let us hear the old book. What does the Bible say of itself? In 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 21, for the prophecy came not at any time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And in James 2, 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves the Bible the inspired book of God how was the Bible inspired some say it was inspired like Browning or like Tennyson or like some of the other great poets you want to know how the Bible was inspired in my judgment it was inspired like Jesus was inspired the Bible tells us that The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. In a mystical and unusual way that defies our explanation, there was formed in her womb that holy thing, Jesus. And the Word became flesh in the womb of Jesus as she was over in the womb of Mary, as as Mary was overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was born, What did he look like? He was a Jew. He looked like Mary. What was his nature like? It was perfect in every way because he was God. So were Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelation, All of the books of the Bible and the men who wrote them overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit so that that holy word, that holy note, that holy thing that became in their minds and was put on paper was verily the Word of God. And God's Word says, be not just a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word. And we turn to the book of Exodus to find what does God's Word tell us to do. In Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. That's God's Decalogue. That's God's Ten Commandments. And that's God's Word to us. And James reminds us, don't be just a hearer, but a doer of the Word. There are lots of people who have gone to church through the years. They've heard the Word. They've heard it until they're full to hear, and then they're full to hear, and then they're full to hear, and then they're full to hear. And after a while, the Word of God loses its power, its interest. People are more interested in going to a picture show, more interested in turning on their televisions, more interested in picking up the newspaper than they are in going into the Word of God to see what God wants us to do. And beloved, the Bible says, not be just a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word. And Jeremiah said, stand in the paths. Look at the old ways. How did Moses do it? How did Abraham do it? How did Deborah do it? How did Samuel do it? How did David do it? How did Hezekiah do it? How did those great men of God do it? They honored the Word of God. And the men and women who stood a little while ago in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they have been Christians for years, how'd they keep at it? They heard the Word of God, and they listened to it, and they hid it in their hearts, and they kept on honoring it, and not just hearing it, but doing it. I met a man some time ago who told me he was a Christian. He never, he's, he's in his 70s. He never goes to church, hadn't been to church for 20 years. He never reads his Bible. He seldom prays. Oh, he said, yes, I'll go to heaven when I die because I've been saved. But he didn't keep on keeping on. A faith that fizzles before the finish had a fatal flaw from the first. I'd be very, very careful. As an older person, I'd be very, very careful if I thought that just because some experience I had when I was a child and it never changed my life, it never did anything for me, and I didn't have to keep on at it, and when I reached mature years and the older years, it didn't do anything for me, I'd be very careful to assume that I was going to heaven just on the basis of that. Stand in the old paths, look at the old ways, and we can learn from the old book. Secondly, I think these precious people who stood a little while ago and the men of the Old Testament and Jeremiah would say, watch out for the old enemy. We have an enemy. He hates every Christian. On the bus, sometimes the kids sing, the devil and I agree. Now, I don't even like that phrase, because I don't agree with the devil on anything. But what they sing is, the devil and I agree, he hates me and I hate him. I don't think I got the words right, but something like that. But I want to tell you, the devil hates you a whole lot more than you hate him. If you don't believe it, next time you're glued to one of those television monsters, or you're glued to a movie, and you receive all that stuff into your mind that didn't come from God's Word, it came from Hollywood, it came out of hell, and it gets your interest and attention and you want to do it, how much do you hate that? You see, the devil is tricky. He doesn't go around with a pitchfork and a red tail dressed all in red and say, watch out for me, I'm the devil. He dresses up handsome, beautiful, bright lights, all the things that you're interested in. And that's the danger of Satan. He slips in on it. Incidentally, if you would read carefully in Isaiah and Ezekiel, you'd find that the devil, one of the devil's big tools is music. He slips in on it. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, <clears throat> when, when Nebuchadnezzar made an edict and said, uh, Now, when, when you hear all these musical instruments, you must bow before this huge image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, We're not going to do it. We don't go in for that kind of thing. We, we bow only before the Lord God of heaven. And they put them in a fiery furnace because they would not bow in that great ceremony that was going on fostered by Satan. Watch out for the old enemy. When Mordecai Ham held a citywide revival back in the days long ago, and incidentally Mr. Ham was from Bowling Green. And when Mordecai Ham would go to a meeting, his first sermon always was on the devil. And he said, if we're going to have any meeting in this place, we've got to find out who our enemy is and who the enemy's crowd is. And he would preach so hard that the enemy's crowd that might have gotten in on it, the liberals and the others, subtracted themselves. They didn't want to be part of that. And then Mordecai Ham would come the next night and say, with what's left, we can have revival. But you have to find out who your enemy is before we can have revival. And I think that's what Jeremiah was saying. Watch out for the old enemy. He hasn't changed. He was the same in Jeremiah's day. He was the same in Jesus' day. He tempted Jesus in all points like you and I are tempted. You think of all the temptations you've had, and remember that Jesus was tempted just like that. To worry? Yeah. To fret? Yeah. To be angry? Yes. Yeah. To lose your temper? Yes. To lust? Yes. He was tempted in all points like we are tempted, yet without sin. The old enemy hasn't changed. And he's trying to work on you today. And he would lay your honor in the dust and defeat your testimony and subtract from you the spiritual power that God wants to give you. No wonder Jeremiah said stand in the old ways and seek the old paths. And then I think these folks that stood a little while ago could teach us to heed the old, old story. Teach us to heed the old, old story. And I think that's what Jeremiah was saying. Listen to that old, old story. What old story is it? It hasn't changed. It's basically told in Luke 23. It's also told in Matthew, Mark, and John. Listen to it. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And somebody writing his testimony one day said, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. unto Himself, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He who knew no sin became the accursed thing for you, for me. He died. He took our place. You see, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus took that wage, and Christ died for us. And when we really understand that, He forgives and saves. I was impressed this week. Out at Riverside, a little boy, 10 or 11 years old, sat under the Word of God, night after night. I could just see conviction written in his heart. And one night after the service, I just spoke to him. He was ready, just like that. He wanted Jesus, and he received Christ. The next day, he confessed the Lord openly. And then last night, there was an older man He used to come to the log church when he was a boy, 12 or 13. He didn't come when the invitation was given, but after the service, Brother Tapley, Mr. Solwinner, talked with him, and that older man asked Jesus into his heart. You see, anybody can be saved, and it's not some hard, mysterious, difficult thing. A wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Stand in the old path. See the old story. There's hope for you, whoever you are. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I may be speaking to somebody today who feels that you're a failure, that you've had sin stains and scars written all over your life, and you're down in the dregs. Maybe nobody knows about it, but you sense it. You feel it. Beloved, you're not far from the kingdom of God when you feel your own need. All the feeling God requires is that you feel your need of Him, of Jesus. And when you receive Him, He gladly receives you and writes your name in heaven and you become His and He becomes yours forever. And then I would ask you I think, as Jeremiah would, walk in that old way. Walk in the old way. The book of Proverbs says, There's a way that seemeth right unto man, the end thereof is the way of death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. <coughs> you and I, without Christ or on a highway. Jesus called it a Broadway. And the end of that way is the way of destruction. And there are thousands on it. As a matter of fact today, <clears throat> there are at least 3 billions of people in this world who are on that Broadway, walking down the awful road that leads to an abyss, forever and forever separated from God in a place Jesus called hell, on a Broadway and you feel plenty of company everybody's there with you it's like one of those three hundred and fifty that was on a plane it was in trouble and it fell thousands of feet and then it was it pulled out of the nosedive somebody said I thought that if you were on a plane with that many people and the plane got in trouble that you'd feel sort of comfort in everybody else you were there with everybody else but he said I didn't feel any comfort in that I knew I was facing death alone, alone, and so do you. Even though you're on a broad road, and this world, which is not a friend of grace, is so arranged to keep you from thinking about eternity, and when preachers preach about it, somehow it gets blotted out of your mind, the devil snatches the Word of God away so that you try not to think about it. Out there at the end, you're going to face an eternity with God or without God alone. No comfort that there are three billions of other people going the same direction. Right in the middle of that road, there's a narrow road. And Jesus said that narrow road leads to life. It leads home to God. And those that walk in it are few. And Jesus said, strive to get on that narrow road. And the narrow road is entered by faith in Christ Jesus. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. The end thereof is the way of death. But Jesus said there's a road that leads to life. It's right in the middle of that other broad road. And once you get on it and you march to Zion, come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song of sweet accord and let our joys be known. And you're marching to Zion. There are thousands of other people. There are thousands of other attractions trying to get you out of the way, get you off the road, move you, take you some way, jar you from the road of life. And Jeremiah said, walk in the old paths, walk in that old way, and look for the house over there of many mansions where no evil thing cometh to despoil what is fair and where Jesus is waiting to welcome us there. You have a loved one in the glory? You have somebody that you loved? I like that song, I will meet you in the morning just inside the eastern gate. Then be ready, faithful pilgrim, lest with you it be too late. Oh, the joy of that glad morning with the saints who for us wait. What a blessed, happy meeting just inside the eastern gate. Do you have that kind of hope in your heart? Stand. In the old ways walk in the old way and Jesus will be your Lord he'll be your Savior he'll be your guide let's pray every head bowed every eye closed for just a moment our Father we thank you for the Word of God that's a warning and for the warning it issues to our hearts today. We pray that some one traveling along life's road shall have heard God's word today and will say with all of his heart, I'm going to turn from the old ways. I'm gonna to turn to Christ. Oh God, may some dear precious soul turn to Jesus and be saved today and somebody else make a decision to say I'm going to be part of a church that's going to honor Christ I want to become part of this fellowship and may someone else say I've wasted some time I don't want to waste time anymore I want to get busy for God have thy way in Jesus name Amen will you stand please we're going to sing God's invitation 242. Number 242. Would you turn there, please? 242. And as we sing God's invitation, now listen, please don't leave. No one moving around. This is God's hour. I want to encourage you to listen to God's Word these next few moments. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, Yield your life to Christ this morning. Will you do it? The invitation is not a time to get ready to leave. It's a time to pray. It's a time to ask God, touch that one standing next to me. Touch that one standing across the aisle, across the church, and those who are listening by radio, that they'll come to Christ. Would you today open your heart to the Lord? If you're here and you've never been saved, I want to encourage you to come, take that stand for Jesus today. If you don't know how to be saved, you come and let us show you from the Bible. If you've already been saved but have never made it public, we encourage you to come today. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you here, would you step out for him today? God help you to do it for Christ's sake. While we wait, while we pray, who will come first? There's some that ought to move your membership to this church today and say, I want to be part of this work for Christ. While we wait, will you come? <clears throat>